I'm Eartha Kitt, and we're sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of logging it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Get Get it it for free free in the the App App Store. Fancy, I'm feeling free, I'm feeling fabulous. I'm feeling feast. A feast. <laughs> I I'm shaking, I'm quaking in my little cowboy boots. I am vibrating out of my chair. I'm just kind of hovering over it. <laughs> I see it. I see it. We're in season three. How did this happen? How? I love you. I love you too. What? <laughs> I just want to start off and I just want to say I love you because I'm so fucking pumped to be talking about season three, episode one with you. I am thank I, I just I can't thank you for doing this podcast with me. I'm so excited. I'm so freaking pumped. What up. a celebration we've got going on. And I want to say just starting off the season, I want to just all these all these happy notes. Thank you to all of you who listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, for me, at least, you're a huge reason why we keep doing this because it's so fun to talk to you all and know that you love just like talking about Desperate Housewives with us. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. You are truly what keeps this podcast afloat. I oh, mean, yes, yes you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you keep our brains and our hearts going forward with old <laughs> DH. I really liked this season premiere so did i i had a lot of fun watching this i we have not been subtle about our not loving season two in terms of the pacing but the vibes are good so far the vibes are very good for season three to be fair a lot of people don't like season two that is true that is true we're not alone so we're just the majority like there were still some good moments oh yeah i will forever stand alfrey woodard but like oh boy am i ready for season three Do we want to just dive in? I'm ready to dive in. I have a new swimsuit. Will you describe it for me? It is is a full suit that kind of looks like Bowser from Mario. And it it clings to my skin when it's wet so much to the point where i can't get it off and so it just i'm i'm going to be inside this forever because when i'm dry i'll start to sweat trying to take it off anyway mm-hmm, so it'll mm-hmm. just cling to my skin even more so essentially i am this is you. i am just i'm this now oh it's like the mask you know that jim carrey movie mhm it just sucks onto your body and and that's you forever now yeah except i'm bowser from mario <laughs> I that's the only way I ever want to see you thank god well you're in for a treat thank god so we are talking today about season three episode one let me hit you with these facts at the top of the epi this episode premiered September 24th 2006 and was written by Mark Cherry and Jeff Greenstein and directed by Larry Shaw for hashtag Sondheim Watch, this episode is called Listen to the Rain on the Roof, and it's from the Sondheim musical Follies. For Wisteria International, I actually couldn't find any other names, so I'm sad, but the next episode has fun names. So, you know, we'll get back to Wisteria International soon. 
And then I have two new kind of two different kind of little things at the top of this episode. Mm. This season began hot, hot, hot with 24 million viewers tuning in to see how the housewives were faring that's a lot of fucking people. That's a lot of fucking people. That's almost as many people that listen to our podcast. Yeah, you're right. We do. 24 million people listen to our <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah, it's 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 actually lower than the season two premiere. I think maybe season two kind of burned people a little bit uh, who were not as into it. But a lot of critics praised the season premiere for the time jump specifically saying that the six month kind of time jump that spoiler alert that we will see momentarily kind of injected a bit of life into the stories which i agree yeah i really enjoyed the time skip i think it was really well done yeah and i i'm gonna try to remember awards updates kind of nominees and things like that mostly for emmys and golden globes as the series goes on People don't see what we see, and the show wasn't really as heavily awarded as it was in its first season, which I feel like it's typical for a lot of TV shows. Like, they come around, and unless they're, like, 30 Rockin' Mad Men, after their first season, they stop winning. But they did get some nominations this season. Lori Metcalf, who we will see in this episode, received an Emmy nomination for this episode for Outstanding Guest Actress in the Series. Wow, that is wild because, spoiler alert, she's not in it very much. No, not at but all. But she, she is Laurie Metcalf. She's Laurie fucking Metcalf, and you've got to give her a nomination. I mean, uh, you know, at least not to break the fourth wall too much, but the Emmy nominations for this year just came out at, while we're recording this. And did you see, like, Don Cheadle got a nomination for Falcon and the Winter Soldier for, like, six seconds of screen time that's wild so you know maybe they were just like laurie metcalf you got at least 30 seconds so we're gonna give it to you (laughs) and uh not to spoil anything she will be you know in the season a couple more times so maybe it was sort of just like an all-encompassing thing but uh technically on paper it was this episode and that's kind of all i got right now we're gonna have some more emmy noms down the road but it's gonna get lit and that's all i got for you hell yeah I think we should just. I'm. I've slipped on my suit. It okay. took me all of that time. Oh, thank God! Yeah, thank God. And it's God. on, and I'm ready to get in. I'm ready to go, baby. So we open up on something awful happening in Lakeview of last year. Alma Hodge had no idea that today, today. was the day she would leave her husband. Orson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this is what, one year ago? Yeah, I I guess so. This beginning was absolutely wild when Mary Alice was like, she did the dishes the way Orson wanted and cleaned the floors the way he wanted and did his clothes the way he wanted. (laughs) I was like, oh, woof, woof, woof. Yeah, woof, 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 woof. He seems like a very particular type of man. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. he has just the most rancid vibes during this whole opening Orson does just yeah rancid rancid vibes which feels so different than what we saw last season because I liked him I mean aside from Mm -hmm. the whole running mic over (laughs) thing uh I liked his vibes but gosh his vibes are rancid in this opening scene it's and we can get more into this later but I think Kyle McLaughlin does this really great switch from being so charming to so terrifying he's he's my king <laughs> i love Colin mclaughlin <laughs> i've talked about it before I, i'm a david lynch stan so i love 
level Kyle McLaugh. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is this was wild. He's he is a very good actor. I think it is. I'm very excited to see what he does this season. And we see that yeah, she decides she has a bird as well, which is a very important thing. And the bird's name is she, Baby. Baby is that the bird's name? Mm-hmm. Baby, I want a bird named Baby. <laughs> I'll get you one. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, as we you know find out, Orson is a kind of runs a very oppressive household, I would say, and Alma has had it, and she has decided to leave. But she is, I think, terrified of Orson. I get the impression. Mm-hmm. I get the impression she's very scared of him, and so she waits until he goes to work. And she's packing, and then as she's trying to run out the door with Baby, she trips. The bird flies out and goes up to the banister, and she is trying, panicked, to get this bird into the cage so that she can run out before Orson gets home. Because we, the audience, see what Alma does not, that Orson saw a spot on his suit and is coming back way earlier than she anticipated. Mm-hmm. And when he does get back, he sees Alma with all of the bags, and he's just kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> and at that moment, Baby finally flies back into the cage. Baby, your timing is terrible. We see the door close, and then pretty quickly, we go to the next day, Carolyn Bixby, right? Bigsby. Bigsby. Oh, Biggs. Oh, Biggs is Lori Metcalf. She's kind of the hoops of this neighborhood. Yeah, The nosy neighbor. She's the Biggs. She's the Biggs. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> She's an Academy Award winning actress. Like, we have to stand. Mm-hmm. I love Lori Metcalf. I just, I just think she's so good in everything she does. I do as well. We also see... Orson kind of cleaning the house like he did kill his wife. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. He's just like scrubbing everything with bleach. And that's essentially... Well, there is an important thing. Oh, yeah. there is an important thing with baby. And I have a thought about this. Mm-hmm. So there is this... Actually, I love this scene. The scoring in this episode was very distinct and good. Like the score, the sinister music. And as Carolyn is trying to ask where where Alma is, she's already very suspicious of Orson from the cleaning, and then Baby, who I think we saw earlier can repeat phrases and words, Mm -hmm. says the words, Orson, no! And Carolyn is immediately like, what the fuck? And do you know what I think this is? What? You're gonna laugh at me. I think this is a Twin Peaks reference. Really? Because, spoiler alerts for season one of Twin Peaks, if you are uh, someone who's not witnessed that show, it's a very good show, uh, there is a whole arc with a bird that saw a um, a crime, and the guy who committed the crime, the bird says um, the character's name, Leo, and it's like, Leo, no, or oh no, Leo, and then Leo kills the bird. To hide oh the evidence of the bird's testimony. And that's kind of what it's insinuated Orson does. Because the next thing we see is Orson taking the empty birdcage out to the trash. And it just kind of felt like a little nod at um, Twin Peaks for me. Because it's just the literal exact same scenario. That's really cool. I definitely agree with that even though i have not seen twin peaks i think that would be a fun thing to throw in especially with kyle mclaughlin so and i feel like Um, this was i feel like he's done small guest spots i mean he was on sex in the city pretty prominently 
I don't know. I just feel like this has a similar vibe to Twin Peaks in terms of like small town murder mystery vibes. And so I wonder, yeah, it just feels like it would have been a fun reference they made knowing (laughs) that he's the actor in the role. I was very sad that there was the insinuation that he killed the bird, though. I hope he didn't. I hope it's a red herring. I hope baby's just at like, you know, a shelter, which do they have shelters for birds? I don't know. I don't know. Or like, just let it go. I know it's not the best thing to do. I was going to say, just like, let the bird free. I know. I hope it's a red herring. Yeah, same here. But that's what we get for the opening. Yes. We then cut to it raining on Wisteria Lane. Uh, This is when we find out about the uh, time skip, kind of, because we find out that it was raining when Brie and Orson went on their first date, and they kissed in the rain. Very romantic. Very sexy. Yes. I was like, this is sexy and romantic, and I'm kind of into it. I love it. Even though we just saw him being a piece of shit. And we find out at the same time, Orson and Bree are having their first date and kissing in the rain. We kind of see where all of the other women are at that moment. Gabby was talking to uh, her divorce lawyer yes. and describing the affair in vivid detail. Honestly, good for her. We love to see it. Yes. We see that Lynette was meeting Tom's daughter, Kayla, for the first time while resisting the urge to strangle her mother. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we see that Susan just learned that Mike was hit by a car and is now in a coma. That, it, I'm so upset <laughs> that Mike's in a fucking coma. I mean, it had to happen eventually, right? This is a soap opera. You gotta have someone oh, in a coma. Soap opera you know? is, yes, coma is deep soap opera vibes. Calling it right now, he loses his memory when he wakes up. <laughs> Oh, is that your prediction corner? Yes. We are, whoa, right at the beginning of the season, prediction corner. <laughs> I can't believe. I mean, you, you put you put Mike in a coma, very in love with Susan. When he wakes up, he's got to not know who Susan is. Because who are you? It's those hijinks. Edie Britt is my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> is that second part of your, the second part of your prediction is that he'll just assume Edie is his girlfriend? Yeah. Oh, I would too. If I woke up and saw her, I'd be like... Even if I had my memory, I'd be like, um, yeah, that blonde woman, <laughs> that's my girlfriend, right? <laughs> I pretend to have amnesia so that Edie will be my girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would do. Speaking uh, of Edie. Yes. Um, <laughs> what? This- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm blushing and I'm like sweating thinking about this she was just like in the rain just like soaked (laughs) just in this just putting i should say importantly putting the for sale sign on the young household but which more importantly she's just soaked (laughs) she's soaking wet she like runs her fingers through her hair to like push everything back Uh, oh i can't believe i forgot to bring an umbrella (laughs) I get Edie one of those umbrella hats. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get her one of those in a little poncho. Yeah. Queen, don't get pneumonia. Stay safe. <laughs> I was also surprised to see that the for sale sign was going on the Young House. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I think later it's mentioned she's also selling the Apple White House, but I guess the Young House is the big one, right? Because Paul and Zach are like, oh, I mean, Zach's off being well, rich and Paul's in jail. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> 
<laughs> I forgot about that. I wish I was off being rich. I, I also wish I was off just being rich, doing nothing. I did really enjoy the Mary Alice monologue yes. talking about how because everything can get so messy and dirty, sometimes we need the rain to cleanse us. And the rain also in turn cleanses the lane I like as that well. too. Yeah. And we end that really lovely monologue by jumping to six months later which is now quote unquote for mm-hmm. us so all of that was happening six months ago which also begs the the idea that like orson's wife had only been missing six months before he started dating brie oh wow like excuse me sir because <laughs> moves on fast cause right if, i mean unless the year is from a year that's still a very short amount of time you know what mm-hmm. i mean before fully moving on um from being married but we are now, now, there was a six-month kind of time jump, and it's a rainy day again, and Edie is showing the young household. So, I mean, wow, six months since she's put the sign up, it's still not sold, which I feel like is uh, a bad sign for, some, for yeah. some houses, especially in a neighborhood like that that's, like, beautiful and has probably a good school district. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, we get a little McCluskey moment, and yes, she, we do. she's telling people that people have died in the house to these potential buyers she's just telling them all the crimes that have occurred in this home which i thought was pretty funny i thought it was very funny and then when Edie says why are you doing that she's just like they asked well the conversation keeps going Edie. (laughs) you know what i kind of want what i want more Edie mccluskey content to fill the hole where Edie and the hoops once was Yes, like Edie just needs an older woman to show her the ropes. Yes, she needs an older woman to be a detective with her. And McCluskey yes. has big detective energy because she's Snoopy. Yeah, um, I would love more Edie, Edie McCluskey content. That's my request uh, to the show that has been, you know, off the air for about seven years. My request <laughs> is that I would like more <laughs> Edie McCluskey content. Hell yeah! And then we. That's a pretty quick scene. Mm-hmm. That's where it ends. We then cut to Lynette. They are taking a Christmas photo. Is it around Christmas time? Or is it just they're just taking their Christmas photo now? Well, I mean, in general, we've noticed in the first season, at least, that sometimes when the episode airs is around the time in the show. You know what I mean? And so this aired late September. So it would actually make a lot of sense to me if this all of this is happening late September. Um uh, because then that would make sense for why they might be taking a Christmas photo right now mm-hmm. in terms of getting a Christmas card. But that's my guess. I don't know how much thought the show put into it, but that's my guess. Okay. Yeah, so they're trying to take a Christmas photo with Kayla in it, and Nora shows up ready to be in. Uh, I will say I already do not like her. Uh <laughs> I just something about her vibe. I have a conspiracy theory about her that I will bring up later. Yeah, okay. Uh she gives me evil vibes because <laughs> she she definitely tries to manipulate situations for her benefit. Like, oh, Tom, you don't want me in your family Christmas photo? I guess I'll take your daughter away. And she's definitely using Kayla as a bargaining chip. Yes. Uh, and it's it's so unfair to that child. I also had that exact thought. I wrote that exact same thing down. I think it is really... Like, I feel so fucking sad for Kayla that her mom uh, views her as truly only a tool to be, (laughs) to use to manipulate people with. Like, it's really annoying because Tom clearly wants to get 
to know this kid and be in her life and be a good dad. I, I actually am kind of interested in them possibly getting more into Kayla's relationship with the with the kids, the other kids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wonder how she's acclimating with them. I mean, clearly, you know, good in, in some ways if they've been hanging out for six months. But, like, I think that, the yeah, like, a good parent centers the kid in the situation. And Nora just centers herself and just wants to manipulate Tom and uses Kayla to do so. And I hate it. I hate yeah. it so much. I just want to know what she gains from this. I mean, there's like, I feel like at least, I don't know if I'm seeing it as much so far, but last season I was thinking that she was trying to steal Tom. Yeah, that's what I got as well. But I, at least in this episode, I haven't seen anything from that. She's no, just kind either. of being a bitch. A bitch. But like yeah. I said, I have a theory that comes okay. up more later. <laughs> okay. Also, Nora's titties are always out. They're always out. Which I can appreciate. I can, yeah. I can, I can, I, you know, I'll stand on that account. <laughs> she's, uh, she's filling the, the, the Nina hole. She's filling, she's the- filling Nina's hole. <laughs> you know, just that giant hole. She's just filling Nina's giant hole that we needed <laughs> filled. Oh. <laughs> uh. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> Thank God, <laughs> someone's got to fill that hole. We gotta have someone's got to fill. We gotta hole. have those titty holes filled. Yeah, she's just putting her titties in that hole and just really filling it out. <laughs> oh my God, <sighs> I'm exhausted. Okay? Can you? My. <laughs> This is mostly for dead, but my camera's like blown out, so I look as white as fucking snow right now. But my face is bright red, I feel like, from how much uh, you just made me laugh. <laughs> oh, God, I'm exhausted. And there was a very funny line, because Tom and, Tom and Lynette go aside, and Lynette's like, could you, um, you know, stand up to your fucking baby mama for once in our lives? And Tom's like, I don't know. My spine is a noodle. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> And yeah. I did like the the line where he's like, what am I supposed to say to her? And Lynette goes, you're in the frame, bitch. Move. <laughs> I thought that yeah. was very funny. But eventually they kind of relent and let Nora get in the photo, agreeing that they'll crop her out. But maybe Nora has some sort of fucking ESP. Cause she makes it to where she is uncroppable by throwing herself across the babies. Yeah, but then they would have to theoretically retake that picture because it's blurry. Yeah. Who, who fucking knows? Who fucking knows? But then we cut to Gabby and Zhao. Zhao Mei is big, big pregnant. Yeah. Like, well, it's been six months. About to fucking pop big, big pregnant. Yeah. We find out that Zhao Mei is on bed rest, so she can't leave the bed unless it's to pee. <laughs> and Gabby is trying to get her to, like, clean up still. And they're they're bickering and they're fighting. Tensions are high. Also, I wanted to nominate Lesbian of the episode for Gabby in this fit. Oh. She kind of had, like, the messy bun, a button-up shirt, kind of, like, just looked kind of rough and tumble like she's been taking care of the house for her baby mama. Yeah. I wanted to do Lesbian of the episode for Gabby. Also, we didn't say it earlier, but Edie Britt, Lotnum, oh. for being wet in that rain. Absolutely. We, I feel like we've always got to nominate Edie when she does something yeah. that hot. So, yes. So, Edie and then okay. Gabby. Cool. Tensions are rising. They are fighting and bickering, like I said. And then Gabby starts saying that she's going to 
like quote like send Zhao Mei back to China when all of this is said and done. Disgusting. Yes. <laughs> there was like a multitude of weird racist jokes in this scene. Like just cram fucking packed with racism. It was very wild. But guess what? My prediction already came true. Gabby does something weird and bad in season three. <laughs> just threatens to deport Jaume, which is mm-hmm. like horrible, especially when we think about when we first met her, how like terrified she was to at the possibility of being deported. And like they were doing this to help protect her. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just a really gross thing because Gabby does have the power in this situation. And I just I hated that, man. I hated that so much. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying John May, like John May's, you know, I understand that she's like being annoying, but she's also like very pregnant. <laughs> so like your yeah. hormones get fucking crazy when you're pregnant. And like, uh, yeah, yeah, Gabby, I feel like threatening to deport somebody is like a line too far. I understand bickering, yeah. but that's like a bit of a line too far for me. She's very pregnant and she's also being held in this household <laughs> without being able to leave. Yeah. So I would understand why Zhao Mei would fight back. Yeah. And I mean, Gabby mentioned, like, do you, would you rather go live with Mr. Solis and his, like, no AC and his one bedroom apartment? And, like, you know, like, between the two choices, this is kind of what Zhao Mei has right now. Yeah. And that's essentially that scene. Mm-hmm. A lot to unpack there that we kind of did. And then we cut to Susan shaving Mike. She's a freak. I love her. Uh, <laughs> this is freaky, but also I feel like it's pretty typical of like pe- loved ones of coma patients to mm-hmm. like do what they can to take care of the people in a coma. I thought this was yeah. sweet and it, it was like yeah. kind of silly, but I thought it was sweet because she doesn't want to give up on him. She loves him so much. Yeah, this is, and I don't, I didn't see uh, in the beginning of the episode if it said like six months later or now. Oh, okay. So th- this was the scene that I found out it was six months later. Oh, okay. So that's why I was like, she's a freak. <laughs> <laughs> she's just shaving him. Yeah. Um, but no, she is, she is being very sweet. Like she still cares about him so much. And I... I love that she's like taking care of him and we'll we'll see it later but like she also like moves his limbs around which is another thing that people do yeah. uh, to comatose pace- patients. Um, the doctor seems to think that chances are looking slim though of Mike waking up again. But Susan yeah. doesn't want to give up and that's that's what I love. And that's a pretty quick scene. And then we cut to Brie and Orson. They are having a very fancy dinner or the end of a very fancy yes. dinner because Orson brings out some dessert. And essentially hands Brie, like, a dessert Tiffany box. Yes. <laughs> and when Brie says she can't finish it on her own, Orson takes the top off and reveals a ring. He's proposing after six months. That is too quick. That's too quick. Do straight people do that? That's so quick. I think straight people do do that. And I literally <laughs> wrote in my notes right after, right after this, I wrote, I'm tired of this. Turn him down um because like you would think she would learn she would learn from george and being pressured into that uh really whole relationship yes and then with who was the other guy she dated was it just george was it just george yeah i think it was just george because she went from rex to george and now it's orson oh i thought there was somebody else i don't know why i don't know either <laughs> no it was peter Right? Who the fuck is... Bo- oh! <laughs> <laughs> Peter! Um, Peter! Did they ever actually, like, in that storyline? Or did I... Peter just kind of phase out? 
He just phased out after he had sex with Andrew. Oh my god. How come I have short-term memory loss? I like totally forgot about that. That's the whole reason why she kicked him out. Mm-hmm. LOL. You're right. Peter did she did she did date Peter, but she didn't get engaged to him, which no. kudos to you, girl, for not getting engaged. But I feel like that was a relationship she shouldn't have gotten herself into. I agree. And, like, on paper, Orson feels like the perfect guy, but we, the audience, know there's some shady shit going on. So yeah. this makes me feel nervous. Mm-hmm. And guess what, Mackenzie? Tell me, Ned. She says... <gasps> yes. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, at this point, was like, where are your children? I mean, I know you don't know where one of them Yeah, are. I mean, Andrew has an excuse to not be around, because, you know, he's gone. But yeah. where the fuck's Danielle? <laughs> like I have the no last idea. time we saw Danielle, her boyfriend was shot in front of her, and she was weeping in Bree's arms. And then they have just completely not done that. Like Bree, no. Bree said, "All right, I saw this man shot in front of me. Time to go on my first date." <laughs> like, <laughs> like they've just completely. I understand like that the season like wasn't a success, but like that still happened in the series. I just feel weird yeah. that they're not acknowledging Danielle or Bree's feelings about the events that happened in their home. Someone mm. died in their house. It's just it's a little weird. But yeah, I was also wondering the whole episode where the fuck Danielle is this whole time. And that's all we get mm-hmm. from that scene. We then meet somebody new. Guess who he played? Who? Have you ever seen the movie Ever After? No. That's Rachel, my girlfriend's favorite movie, and he's the prince in that. <gasps> it's oh. it's Drew Barrymore, and it's like Cinderella. It's basically Cinderella, oh. but it's Drew. Uh, but he's the he's the charming prince. So whenever I see him, I think of him as the prince from Ever After, which is a movie I also love. Oh hell yeah! But in this, he's not. He's not that. <laughs> no, he is Ian Hainsworth. And he has been miserable ever since his wife got put into a coma a few years ago uh, from a horse accident. Okay. (laughs) You know, classic horse accident. Classic equestrian injuries, you know? Yeah. And he's been so miserable up until the point where he met Susan, who was equally, equally, Equally. (laughs) equally as miserable as he is. I heard him speak and I went, oh no, he's British. <laughs> I know there was a part and I can't remember if it was, it might've been later or, or something where I just was like, they couldn't get Hugh Grant. So they got this kind of bumbly, oh well, dear, hello, I'm, I'm so charming and British and I mumble yeah. a lot. <laughs> like, like they just kind of like, they wanted, I feel like they wanted a Hugh Grant-esque type of person. And through this Mary Alice monologue, we kind of see that the two of them kind of bonded over having partners in comas and a friendship blossomed. But I think the audience sees that Ian definitely is uh, falling for Susan pretty immediately. Mm. He buys her a watch. He does. He brings brings her a watch. That's too much for me. That's a lot. That's like a very intense gift. Yes. Also, yeah, it was a little, it was a little, it was a little. I... Sorry, I'm looking at I'm looking at some of my my notes, and I thought I had this thought because during the watch exchange, so you know he brings her some coffee and some and a watch, and clearly he's trying to make a move of some sort. I don't think Susan's yes. picking it up. She seems to be very like naive when it comes to like people hitting on her, because sometimes she's like, "What? Carl was in love with me?" <laughs> it's like, "Yes, obviously, <laughs> bitch." Um, 
But he makes a joke that the watch is a knockoff. And I wonder if that's a metaphor. Because he's a knockoff of Mike. <gasps> Ian, oh, you cheap fucking knockoff. Fuck. I, I will say I, I think Ian is creepy. I think he's a creep. Yeah, I'm inclined to I'm inclined to agree with you. I didn't hate him in this this early part of the episode, but, no. I, but like as as I noticed the relationship continuing to press, Susan does not seem interested in him in the same way, and I just kind of wish he would back off a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I don't hate him in this beginning part, but as he gets more and more like into Susan, I'm like, dude, her partner just got into a coma. Can you fucking chill out? Yeah, and then we cut to. Brie and her girls. They're all together. Out for lunch. I loved this scene. I thought it was so cute. I, I loved thought it was it so cute. So fucking much. I was shaking in my little boots. I was so excited to see them all together. Lote nominee for the girls getting back together. <laughs> yes, because they're all in love with each other. I love yes. that. I I just I like them all being together and not to not to get spoilery. But I've watched, a, you know, an episode or two ahead. And, like, we are going to consistently get, like, all lady scenes. And, which I'm so uh, pumped about. You mentioned that in the season two wrap-up that Mark Cherry really wanted to bring it back to the women interacting with each other. Yes. And I love that. I'm I love so that so much. Excited. Yeah, me too. Because we get to see them be friends. Thank God. Mm-hmm. We love to see it. Essentially, uh... Everybody's kind of questioning why Brie asked them there. And Brie says, oh, well, Orson and I are having a dinner soon, so come on over. And they all kind of are like, you have something else going on. That is not why you brought us here. Spill the tea. Spill it. Spill it. it. And Brie caves. She goes, we're getting engaged. Or we are engaged. Yes. Uh, and the women do bring up that it is a little soon, but they generally seem happy for her. Yeah. I would be very wary if the last time this happened was George and I was her friend. You know what I mean? I would be very wary about it. That's all I'm saying. Also, something important to note is that Brie, ver- and this is important at the very end of the episode, but Brie like very like lightly comments that Orson goes to this a uh, country club and he's been a member of it for a long time and i think that's very important for the final moments of the episode okay i didn't catch that what it's i like did super quick she's just sort of like oh yeah orson's been here for, been coming here for a long time anyway hello ladies <laughs> like it was definitely like a very small thing okay but something i did catch is that tell me gabby mentioned something about like oh the sex must be great if you're getting married after only six months uh-huh. and then brie says we're waiting till marriage Good for her. Good for her. But Gabby's laugh was fucking funny. It was so like fucking Gabby funny. just falling into Layla. Like it was just very. It was just very funny. Gabby just dissolving into cackling at that. And that's basically this scene, right? Nothing yeah. really else goes on. Nah. We then cut to the Scavo household. Tom is making little balloons because they're about to have a party, right? Yeah, I think Parker's Parker Nation. Parker it's his birthday Nation. party. It's the Parker Nation fan club. <laughs> We're there. <laughs> we We're part of the Parker Nation. Parker Nation. Uh, we make an actual jingle for that. <laughs> I would love to. Uh, we find out that Lynette lied to Nora about having the party. Uh, and Tom is very afraid. Like, what if she finds out? And Lynette 
goes, what kind of world is it where you're more afraid of her than your own wife? Because, Tom, don't you know you should be shaking in your fucking boots when you see Lynette? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Lynette definitely asserts her dominance in this scene. (laughs) She lifts her leg and pisses all over Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Then we cut to the hospital again, and it looks like Susan is bringing smoothies for her and Ian. They have a kind of cute interaction. I liked the like, oh, well, I hate strawberries, so I'll take the strawberry. I thought that was that was very. I thought that was charming uh, in that moment, and I actually thought it was really cute that Susan says hi to Jane, Ian's wife. Yeah, I thought that was a cute moment where she's like, "Hi, Jane, how are you doing today?" Like, I just thought that was sweet because it kind of for me like really sets in that they've been like doing this for a bit, that they've been becoming mm-hmm. friends and like maybe getting to know things about the other person's partner. I thought it was really sweet. But yeah. Ian asks Susan out on a date, kind of unexpectedly, and we got to get that comedy queen sh- yes. like shenanigans going on because Susan, in a panic, throws the smoothie all over Jane's comatose body. Jesus. And she, like, puts a blanket over her to cover it up and is just like, <laughs> Jane was cold she just felt cold so i i gave her a blanket i saw some boosie gumps on her so i (laughs) i covered her up but i think i feel like she only says yes to this date because she's so panicked about the smoothie like Mm. i don't think she actually thought about what was happening yeah but he does pull back which i liked i liked this about him i liked him being like wait i realize mike is still like really fresh in a coma you're probably in a different place than me. I'm sorry I asked that, but let me know like if you want to. Like I liked I liked him taking a step back. That was something I liked about Ian. I was like, okay. I like that he yeah. acknowledges that like Oh, wait. I wasn't even thinking. You might not be, you know, ready like I am and I'm still team Muzin, but I liked that mm-hmm. kind of awareness yeah. from him. I was like, okay. That was very sweet. <laughs> King of awareness. <laughs> <laughs> we then cut to Nora calling Lynette uh, and there's another comedy queen Lynette moment where uh, Nora's like is there a party happening in the background and Lynette's like no 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 that's just the kids and Tom you know they're gonna go out for a movie so they're just getting ready uh, nothing going on here nothing at all nothing at all and then Tom goes you think she bought it and Lynette goes, not at all. She'll be here in 10 minutes. And then I think this is when we get this whole sequence, right? Of like all the kids and the clowns and the everyone. She was like, whoever gets the most stuff gets more. Ca-. Like it was just kind of a, a huge sequence of mm-hmm. all of the children picking up the party and running down that street to the Solis household uh, to yes. move the birthday. I thought this was a very funny sequence. I thought it was thought so it- fucking funny. Oh, I thought it was hilarious because then we cut to Edie Britt. <laughs> Uh, selling the house again on these people being like, oh yeah, it's a nice, quiet neighborhood. You know, um, not a lot goes on here, so you shouldn't have a problem with any rowdiness. And as soon as she opens the blinds, you see all of the children and clowns just (laughs) running in a mass down the street yelling. And she's just like, God damn it. 
<laughs> I thought that it was so funny. I'm laughing so hard thinking about it. I thought this whole bit, because it's funny, spoiler alert, it comes back later. The whole bit of like shit happening while Edie's trying to sell the house. I thought it was a very funny bit. Oh, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was so funny. And yeah, so they're moving the birthday party to the Solis house to hide it from Nora. Mm-hmm. And I just when- enjoyed this so much. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, and then when we when we go back to the Scavo household, uh, we see that Lynette forgot the cake, so she kind of kicks it into the laundry room as Nora comes in and is looking around. And Lynette says, there's kind of a flub where Lynette says that they went out for ice cream, but backtracks and goes, oh, yeah, ice cream and a movie. You know, that's that's the stuff. That's that's what happens. And just as Nora is starting to believe her, a child walks into the room, presumably like was in the bathroom or something, and goes, where'd everybody go? (laughs) And (laughs) there's like a standoff between Lynette and Nora with trying to figure out where the party is. Yeah, because I like think they like walk outside and Lynette's like, I'm not telling you where it is. Just go home. Just go home and leave. Whatever. Fuck you. But oh, no. There's a balloon flying above the Solis house. And then yet another, this whole sequence was just action packed because then they start like fully racing down the street, just fucking like running like they're in the Olympics, just racing down Wisteria Lane, trying to beat each other to the Solis house. I loved this. It was so funny. Um, And I also want to fight Nora, but they get to. Yes. They get to Gabby's house and Nora starts yelling for Kayla to come out. Tom comes out with her and Nora says, we're going home. We're going home right now. And Kayla obviously wants to stay. Yeah. And there's this moment where Tom really doesn't know what to do. And Lynette takes him to the side and is like, what are you, what are you doing? Right? Yeah, I think he he tries to, he tries to le- relent to Nora. He tries to be like, "I'm so sorry we did this. I'm so sorry. Just let her stay. Just let her stay." Kind of his normal like giving whatever Nora whatever she wants instead of actually standing up to her. And I think that's what pushes Lynette to be like, "What the fuck, dude?" Yeah. And I really liked this scene because I liked Lynette going, "You always come first for me." Yes. And do I come first for you anymore? I thought that was such a good scene. I he he really stepped up in this moment and I, I yes. really appreciated that. I'm proud of him. Yeah. And it works is the thing. Because the second he stops letting Nora fucking run all over him, the more equal they can be. And I really yeah. like this cuz I think I like that I feel like Nora's like method is like use Kayla as a bargaining chip, but also makes Tom the bad guy, right? Like sort of like, oh, if, if your dad doesn't apologize to me, then it's his fault. You don't get to come to this party, right? Yeah. But I do like that Tom was sort of just like put it in Nora's court and was like, whatever, if you're taking her, it's your choice. Um, I'm going to go be with my other kids. And then Kayla kind of begs to Nora. So then Nora now is in the position of being the bad guy and she doesn't want to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. She wants no responsibility and she wants to be the good one in the situation and manipulates whoever she should to be that. And so I like this, that like in order to not be the bad guy, Nora relents and decides to let Tom and Lynette have what they want. And I'm glad. I hope this continues. Yeah. Same here. He prioritizes his wife. We love to see it. 
Yes, as he should. Yes. He should prioritize his wife. Yes. And then we cut to Gabby bringing Jaumet lunch, but Jaumet's not in bed. She's not. She is not anywhere in the house. My instinct was that she left to go be with Carlos, but we pretty quickly find out that's not the case. Same. I also immediately thought that must be what happened, but yeah, she's not with Carlos. Yeah, because Gabby goes to Carlos to ask for help to find her. They go to a restaurant. Yeah, so earlier, I don't think I mentioned it, but earlier in the scene with her and Jaume, Jaume mentions that she's a, a family that lives in town who own a restaurant in Chinatown. So I guess I guess Fairview has a Chinatown area. Or district, I suppose. Um, and so I think that that's maybe the connection with why they came to this restaurant. Because I think Jamais' family owns it. Because uh, I think we meet Lee, who owns uh, the restaurant. I, I assume she's a cousin or an aunt of Jamais. And I love this because Lee is like, um, did you threaten to fucking deport <laughs> my family member? You piece of shit. And Carlos is like, Gabby, what the fuck? <laughs> Like, yeah. like I like that Ga- that Carlos is even like that's low Gabby like you know mm-hmm. it's bad if Carlos thinks it's bad and you know Gabby tries to get out of it by being like um it was a joke but everybody's like no that's fucked up you don't do that to somebody <laughs> yeah, literally and it's kind of a funny cut because we don't see it but we do see Gabby walking out with food all over her white shirt so Lee I suppose mm-hmm. threw after Gabby threatened to, like, call the health inspector on their restaurant, yes. they uh, threw food on Gabby and told her to fuck right off. Honestly, thank God. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I love Gabby, but Gabby, stop. <laughs> Gabby, stop. Stop being bad and weird. Stop. Oh, my God. She's so crazy. That <laughs> meme. That's us with Gabby. <laughs> um, and then comedy does love to come in threes because we go to Edie trying to sell the house again. To some gays. To some gays. Gays of the episode. These, gays of the episode. These two gay men. I presume, I assume they were a couple. I feel like that yeah. seems to be the structure of this. They're just two really close roommates buying a home together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that for them. That's us. We're t- two very close roommates <laughs> buying a home together. <laughs> um, and she is showing them around the house and... Goes to show them the closet space, and Xiaome <laughs> is eating food in the closet, and is just like, "Hello." <laughs> oh yeah, she's like, "Shh." And Edie just cl- she just closes the closet, and is like, "God damn it!" <laughs> I wonder who they're gonna get to move into the young household. What if it's just for sale for fucking ever? It must be because. If it's been on sale for six months and shit like this happens every single day, it's going to be up for the rest of Edie's lifetime. Can I say something? Sure. Unexpected to me. Okay. That since someone named Orson has come onto this show, the horny levels have skyrocketed. Yes. Because Orson, we cut to... A very horny scene. (laughs) There's a lot of horny scenes coming up specifically because of Orson. Because Orson is horned the fuck up over Mm -hmm. Brie right now, which I can't blame him. She's hot, but still, he's he's horned. He's horned up. Yeah, he he's horned up, and that's (laughs) that's that's really 
yeah, that's basically that scene. Because then we go to Mike and Susan. Susan, we find out, does want to go on that date because she's feeling pretty lonely. Yeah. And she kind of feels bad about it, but it's also something that she wants to do. Yeah, and it really broke my heart when she was like, if you told me you didn't want me to go out with him, I wouldn't. And God, all I want is for you to wake up and tell me you don't want me to go on this date. Like, yeah. I, it, it that broke my heart. That was really sad. Because, like, all, she just, like, because if Mike woke up, then, like, everything would be fine. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. think that's in her brain. It's like, if he comes back to me, then that's all I need. And it just, it makes me sad. Yeah. I'm sad about Mike and Susan forever, baby. But that's that scene. Uh, we could have a quick little scene where Gabby is dropping off Carlos and she's getting a call from Edie about where Xiaomei is. So crisis averted. They know where their baby mama is. They're going to go get her. Gabby and Carlos kind of start to fight. And Carlos was being annoying to me because she tries to point out the things she's exhausted with. And he just sighs like she's being dramatic, which like, dude, hear her out. She is solely taking care of Xiaomei by herself. Mm -hmm. And she actually has a pretty good speech. Like Gabby's been kind of annoying me this episode, but she has a pretty good speech about how once, you know, like Zhao Mei has this baby, she gets to go off and live. She gets to go be with her cousins and start her new life and, and find her American dream. And that Gabby has to raise this baby mostly by herself, which I feel like she's making a lot of assumptions about uh, custody, but at least she's going to be raising this baby as a child of divorce you know, she's going to be a mom now. Like, it's just, I feel like there's a lot of stressors happening with Gabby right now. Um, and I, I really liked that the show gave her a chance to talk about that, I guess. Yeah. But that's kind yeah, of all that I scene agree. is. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, I agree. She's been under a, a lot of stress. And although that still doesn't excuse the way she's been talking. <laughs> yes. Uh, she, like, the fear of... Well, I mean, because, like, if we think about custody, it is very rare that, like, dads get full custody. Yes. You know? And so, even if they're doing split custody, the child will probably primarily live with Gabby. Yeah. So, she probably will take on a lot of those, like, responsibilities. And that is a lot of stress to think about. Yeah. Um, added with the divorce, like you said. And, yeah, I think... Like, having Carlos roll his eyes at it is just kind of a dick move. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking, it's hating Carlos hours all the time for me. There are some people in the world, and I'm aware, that that like Carlos, but I can't, I don't see it yet. He annoys the shit Mm -hmm. out of me still. His haircut looks nice. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I'll give him. His haircut looks good. Yeah. (laughs) But that's, and then, that scene. Yeah. And then we cut back to Orson and Brie. Orson is cleaning up the house and Brie is like, oh, what is your method? And as he's talking about the very many steps he takes to clean, Brie wants to bone the fuck down right now. She's like, I know I said no before, but watching you clean just really turns me on she got so fucking horned up over his cleaning i mean he i think we see from the beginning with alma he's a little ocd kind of like brie is Mm -hmm. um i am not over the metaphor of the faucet yes did you notice that yes how the faucet 
you know, running with water was like a metaphor for how wet Brie was getting, I guess. Also, the fact that, so they go to the bedroom, he goes down to go down on her, and she's just like, what are you doing? I don't do that. That line, where she's like, I don't do that, I'm a Republican, was so fucking funny. And then him going, well, I'm a libertarian. And that's why I'm a libertarian, I know what I'm doing. Hey, I'm a libertarian, I love eating pussy, okay? That's the number one thing of the libertarian party. I, I make a I make a flag that has Orson going, I'm a libertarian, I, I eat, eat pussy. pussy. <laughs> we saw that in our store. Yes. Oh, that was just such a funny fucking exchange. I can't believe it. It seems like she oh. relents. She's horny enough. And we kind of see... I thought this was fun. I love fun new ways of visual storytelling. Yes. They focus on the faucet running over the dishes and overflowing and and the cups filling up as sort of what's happening, I assume, to Brie right now as she is uh, having oral sex for the first time in her fucking life. Oral sex for the first time. And then we quickly find out having an orgasm for the first time. Um, (laughs) Wild to me. (laughs) so hard she goes to the doctor and describes what she felt during this moment and the doctor's like what were you doing and she goes i don't think that's important and the doctor's like you you were having sex because it sounds like you were having sex and it sounds like you had an orgasm oh i love this doctor can i say lesbian of the episode this doctor Oh. Just because I loved her because she was like, yeah, you came. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> but also, um, this actress looked familiar to me. Did she look familiar to you? No. Well, I looked her up because I was like, who the hell is she? And her name is Vernie Watson. And um, she got famous for playing Will's mom on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Holy shit. Did you ever watch that? I used to fucking watch it all the time. She's like his mom who's kind of comes and goes every, every yeah. once in a while. Uh, she's also in the movie Christmas with the Cranks. I was doing a deep oh, dive on, so on Vernie Watch- Watson. And uh, she's been in like a bazillion fucking TV shows. And she was actually in some cool films in the 70s uh, that I, I actually recently watched this noir called uh, Cotton Comes to Harlem. She was in that. And she was also... Sorry, this is a very long fun fact. She was in a film called Norman Is That You, which broke ground for being one of the first movies with a predominantly black cast that focused on coming out in LGBT issues in a mainstream oh. film. It's not What was it called again? Norman dot 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 is that you? Uh, okay. It's not great. It stars a bunch of other kind of famous television actors from that time. And it's about like this young man who comes out and his family are like, what the fuck? So it's not really great rep, but it was kind of a groundbreaking film from the seventies being like talking wow. about like black gay life. So we love a queen <laughs> who who is in gay <laughs> movies and also the fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, and I thought she was very funny in this scene. So I wanted to nominate her for lesbian of the episode. <laughs> Hell yeah. And for now, we got a party. We got a party down, baby. Hell yeah. Julie? We're at this. Looks so big. She looks so much older. She looks like she's 20. I'm stressed out. She looks. I mean, she might be 20 at this point. That's true. I mean, (laughs) the character is probably 16, right? 
Yeah, 16, 17. Yeah, but she looks so old. Our 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 baby, our queen baby is getting is getting so old. They grow up so fast. Julie Myers, my god. I love her. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> she just they grow up so fast. I'm emotional about it. So we're at this party, right? We are. Me and you, we're at this party. Oh, hi. Hi. Uh and we're just having a good time. We're eating the the hors d'oeuvres. Um and the door bursts open and it's laurie metcalf it's like the as... beginning of beauty and the beast Just... yes <laughs> um as carolyn carolyn is back and she's ready to stir up the drama she says orson killed his wife anybody care about that Huh? Can I say the Biggs has sure. huge hoobs and Tillmeister energy because she has the Snoopy next door neighbor vibes of the hoobs. And then also remember when the Tillmeister was just like, well, Paul Young killed my sister <laughs> in the middle of a party. I'm just yes. saying Carolyn feels like the uh, spiritual air of the energy of the hoobs and Tillmeister. And I am, she- I want her to be here forever because I need that energy. She's the third person in the Holy Trinity. Oh my God, I love that. Or you know, everyone at the party looks pretty shocked, right? And Carolyn kind of mentions that no one ever heard from Alma, not even her own family, which is a huge red flag. Lori Melkaff is just unhinged in this scene, and I love her for it. <laughs> but Brie, as usual, she stands by her man, sketchy as he may be, and kicks Carolyn out absolutely wild girl could you just this is not the first time that a woman has come to you who dated or knew this man that you're marrying to give you a very clear warning and then you ignore it remember george's ex george's ex-girlfriend came back and then she didn't fucking believe her you would think she would learn I did not think about that. That is true. Like, this is the second time this almost exact same scenario has happened to Brie uh, in terms of someone from the, the man's past coming and warning her, and she just doesn't believe them. Um, If you want to count Peter as trying to warn Brie about himself, you could count that as three. <laughs> I just need I just need Brie. I love her so much. Girl, I need you to learn from your past mistakes. And maybe at least consider what she's saying as having a yeah, possibility of truth. That's true. Because I feel like there's more to it, right? Because it feels too easy for him to just have killed his wife and that we already know this information. I'm hoping they learned from last season that they wouldn't give us all the information up front. So I do think there's more to it. But I think that there's some sketchy shit going on. And Bree just mm-hmm. can't ignore that. Bree's titties are out, though, in this scene. <laughs> Breeze titties, Lote nominee. Breeze titties, <laughs> Lote nominee. Absolutely. I noticed them and I thought, oh, I wonder if they're out because she's had an orgasm now. She's like, now that I've had an orgasm. She's a sexual being. <laughs> she's a sexual being now. That's what I, I thought it was a metaphor. I thought her tits were yeah. a metaphor, you know? Okay. Yeah. 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 Really intellectual titty metaphor. Mm-hmm. And our last kind of big moment we get is Brie immediately after kicking Carolyn out pulls Orson into the kitchen and he apologizes. And Brie is like, please tell me what's up. Like she hasn't heard, you know, her family hasn't heard from her. Like what's going on? And Orson kind of lays out the information he has about Alma. 
he thinks that the family is lying. One, that's an, that's an important thing. He thinks the family is lying when they say they haven't heard from her. And she asks him if he's still legally married to her. And he says he was, he's not that he was granted legal divorce on grounds of abandonment. And this acting was really intense too, because she implores to him that she doesn't think he killed his wife, but he also is kind of squeezing her hand really tight. And there's this kind of intense moment where I think I personally saw some doubt in Bree's eyes over him. I hope this is her maybe trying to learn from her past. Yeah. I definitely saw this as her kind of taking what happened with George and not just uh, believing every word that Orson has to say, just because like there was some wariness like in her, in her face. And yeah, I like to think that she, she's learning from her past. And that's really the last big scene we get before the final moments and the final monologue. Every storm brings with it hope that somehow by morning, everything will be made clean again. And even the most troubling stains will have disappeared. Like the doubts over his innocence. You know, Bree having those doubts about Orson. Or the consequence of his mistake. Lynette kind of dealing with Nora (laughs) and the consequences of Tom's mistakes. Like the scars of his betrayal. We see that Gabby has these kind of lasting scars of Carlos's betrayal. Or the memory of his kiss we see that susan is thinking of the memory of mike's kiss so we wait for the storm to pass hoping for the best even though we know in our hearts some stains are so indelible nothing can wash them away thing we leave on is that some mistakes cannot be washed away and this is why I noted it was important that Orson goes to this country club because Bree noted in that scene as well that there was some construction happening we come back to the construction site of the club that Orson attends and there is a rotting body being uncovered in the mud that I see I wish I picked up on that earlier because then it would have made this scene so much like cooler (laughs) if i had noticed that yeah i think so cool i think that this is you know a heavy hint to is orson involved in this because he goes to this country club and that's definitely something that ties him to where we now see the burial of a body (gasps) oh baby dead bodies we're getting dead bodies it's desperate housewives Ooh, ooh, baby wouldn't be desperate housewives without a murder you know no 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 and that's the end of the episode Woo! we gotta name a loat oh thank god you remembered um there's so many good nominees i want to give it to edie in the rain okay we can give it to edie in the rain we gave it to edie uh in the first episode of last season and i want to i want to give it to her in the first episode of this season it becomes a tradition we always give edie the first loat Yes. Edie in the rain, baby. Just, ooh, I'm so wet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Can I tell you, someone on Instagram asked, 
because you know how some you just make me laugh so much and i Mm -hmm. i wheeze and pull back from my mic and cackle someone on instagram shout out to you asked us if there's like another person in the room who laughs and i'm like no it's just me being wild (laughs) because ned (laughs) makes me laugh (laughs) that's so funny there is a third person in the room (laughs) their name is jeremy jeremy our producer (laughs) yes thanks jeremy <laughs> uh great. Lot goes to Edie in the rain. If you missed also who our load of the season was for season two, check out our season two wrap up. Yes. Because we're diving fresh into season three, oh. building up for the lesbian of the season for season three. Already got a good contender. Yep. I am so excited that we are I loved this premiere. I thought it was mm-hmm. fun. Thought it was juicy. We it got was to engaging. See, it was engaging. We got to see all the characters, but it didn't feel overwhelming. Yes. I like wasn't overwhelmed by all the storylines. I think that mm-hmm. they did a great job balancing all the women as well as giving them scenes together. Yes. I'm I just I'm so, I'm so fucking excited for season 3. I can't believe it. I'm excited to have more predictions as well. Oh yeah, um, do you have any predictions after this season premiere other than you think Mike will have amnesia? Um I think that's it for now. Okay. When we get into other episodes, because, uh, spoiler alert, I did watch a few episodes too, as well. Um, I As we get through the season, I feel like more uh, theories will develop. Hell yeah. Yes. And with that, we have been Wisteria Gaze. If you want to find us on Twitter or Instagram, you can find us at Wisteria Gaze on Twitter or at Wisteria Gaze underscore on Instagram, as well as our website, WisteriaGaze.com. And on that website, you can find some links to our merch page. We have some great merch, like a Fairview High Abstinence Club shirt, which I do own, (laughs) and an I Killed Martha Huber pillow. Yeah. Uh, Maybe one day a I'm a libertarian, I eat pussy (laughs) flag. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. So go check out our merch page. And on our website, we also have a link to our Patreon. Yes. Our Patreon is so great. If you sub to our Patreon, thank you so, so much for for loving us and supporting the show. Uh, if you sub to our Patreon, you can get some great deals. <laughs> like <laughs> Hot, hot deals. You get $200 down payment on your new Toyota Camry. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And you also get um, ad-free episodes, access to our show notes. What else do they get, Mackenzie? Oh, an episode shout-out to show how much we love you. And so we want to take the next little seconds right here to shout-out our patrons. So thank you so much to AJ. Annie. Cheryl. Elise. Helena. Liv. Lydia. Nadia. Sarah. Tom. TK. Vincent. Thank you so much for being our patrons and supporting the show. Yes, it means the world. I love you so much. You're the juiciest people on earth. Yes. So if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, you can go to our website or patreon.com slash wisteria gaze. Other than that, you can find me, Ned, on any social media at Ned Jorts. And you can find me, McKenzie, at McKenzie Wilkes. Do you know what I love? what reviews <laughs> wow they just there's just something about them wow it might be 
just their eyes, you know? But uh, <laughs> I love reviews. I love reading the reviews. They make my day. They make your day. They do. And at the end of every episode, we like to pose a question to get those rejuices flowing. That means review juices. Yes, it's, uh, it's part of a extensive lexicon of Mysteria yes. Gates that we the lore. The lore. There's there's rejuices. There's bonkers bananis. <laughs> uh, there's sodi. Uh, I feel yes. like there's. I feel like there's. I feel like we can make a dictionary from this show at this point. Yes. So I think the question for this episode should be. What are your season three predictions? Oh, I love that. Uh, if you've seen this season before, if you just want to throw out some random crap as well. Just throw uh, us off the scent. Yeah, we would love to hear it because I have no idea what's going to happen this season. I know. that's And that's why um, I feel like I can't answer this because I, I do know. So I want to I want to let let you let everybody else let us know in the comments when you leave us a review. Let us know your season three predictions, what you're most excited about, or maybe something you're excited about seeing in season three. Yeah. Just let us know. I'm excited about seeing the mystery unfold. I am also excited about that. There's also, I will not give anything away, but there is a very, very iconic episode uh, in this season, like iconic uh, for Desperate Housewives. Uh, it's oh, wow. Season, I think episode seven. I oh. am really excited to get to that iconic episode those of you who have watched the show know exactly what i'm talking about and uh i'm excited to get to that because it's a it's a big it's a big episode for desperate housewives so i'm excited Hell yeah to get to that i think that's like something i'm really looking forward to so am i now Ooh, yeah other than that Mackenzie. yes i love you i love you everyone else stay juicy stay juicy